The following sermon is by Dan Thomas, pastor and teacher at Community Church in Edwardsburg, Michigan. If you've never visited us at Community Church, we invite you to join us at 28647 US 12 West in Edwardsburg. And now, here is Pastor Dan Thomas. We have a, one of our missionaries we support is in Europe, uh, in Hungary. His name is Mark Patton. And Mark and Karin recently planted their fourth church over there in Hungary, right in the city of Budapest. But I called him uh, this, I'm sorry, I, I emailed him this week because I just kind of wondered how the fighting over there has impacted them. He told me they have uh, about 70, this was as of Tuesday, about 70,000 refugees that have come in into, the, into Hungary from the Ukraine. And uh, they don't have a building. His church is a plant that they're renting a building, so they can't really house them. But they're trying to figure out you know, the best way and working on some different ideas to minister. So I thought we'd take a minute. Mark sent a video that they put together. It is not about the current situation there. But just uh, tell you a little bit about that ministry. Uh, we were able to send uh, uh, $4,000 over there to help them with their sound system for their new church, that they have a portable sound system they could bring in. We did that at Christmas time. I want you to know about his ministry and wanted you to kind of highlight it too so that we can be praying, remember to be praying for them, especially now with the opportunities that they have to minister there. Somebody, can't remember who was talking to me this morning, uh, was telling me about some of the ministries in Ukraine right now and everything like that that are seeing people uh, come to Christ. They're excited about that and, and, and uh, this is really the closest support that we have uh, to the Ukraine right now is the patent. So I wanted you to view this with us. Oh, sing unto the Lord a new song. Sing unto the Lord all the earth. Sing unto the Lord, bless his name. Show forth his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the heathen, his wonders among all people. For the Lord is great and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods. For all the gods of the nations are idols, but the Lord made the heavens. We launched Focus Church in 2019, just about two and a half years ago. And we've been in this location for just over a year. And this is a coffee shop. Uh, owned by a Christian foundation and we meet here on Sundays, Sunday afternoons and it's been great time. Uh, coffee shop here will seat probably about 80 to 100 people and we usually have 50, 60, 70 on Sundays and so it's been a great location for us. Uh, lots of parking, public transport's close by uh, and our young people, young adults kind of like the atmosphere of a coffee shop for our meetings. Uh, but this has been a great time of growth in our church. Uh, we added eight new members uh, just here in December. And what I'm really excited about is we have about 10 young adults who are in our discipleship program right now who have requested baptism and wanting to be baptized. The Lord's really given us a new vision um, for the next three years. And our vision is that three years from now, we'd like to be ready to start our first daughter church. And so I presented this vision to our people just a few weeks ago with the idea of, okay, so if that's what we want in three years, what do we need to be doing right now to be ready for that? And one of the things we're gonna work on this year is leadership training. Uh, we've got 10 to 12 of our young adults that we'd like to start working with on a regular basis, preparing them for leadership. Another thing we wanna work on is evangelism and growth. And so we have several things that we're working on in the area of evangelism. I'm gonna let Karen tell you about one of the programs we have planned for the summer. 
we really want to reach children and families with young children. And so this summer we're planning a day camp in July. I'm so excited to begin preparing for this week. We have a group of Americans coming from one of our supporting churches and many of our people in the church are excited about helping and translating. It's going to be done in English to reach people who are trying to learn English. Um, I teach in school, I teach English in school, and so a lot of my children I'm sure will come. And we're praying for them now. Please join us in prayer. Thank you so much for your faithful prayers and support for our ministry. God's doing amazing things, and it's going to be a great year ahead of us. Thanks so much. All right, as I said, that'll help us as we pray for patents. And I'll take a moment and do that now just for the... Uh, the whole area of the world right now that we hear about in the news every day. I also wanted to mention as we pray, one of our deacons is down in Indianapolis right now at St. Vincent's Hospital. Uh, John Miscavige and Noreen's down there with him, but they are waiting uh, the opportunity to have some very uh, significant open heart surgery uh, this week. It, it, you say, I didn't know that was coming. We, nobody knew it was coming. It uh, kind of sneaked up on them uh, as far as he had no history or anything like that. But uh, they are uh, down there. Uh, there are uh, some blockages to remove, but then also some work that needs to be done in, in uh, some of the valves and things like that. Did I say that well enough? Uh, so pray for them. They're waiting a time uh, this week. They're kind of on the list and, and want to be ready to go. Praying specifically that when the, right, the surgeon that they're hoping for is ready to go, he is ready to go. He's stable and in good shape. Uh, talked to John yesterday. He is good spirits, in good shape, uh, sounded like his, his old self and, and doing well there, but uh, be praying for them. They're down there waiting for that. Uh, also mentioned John Lorraine uh, Shotwell are uh, receiving some intense cancer treatment right now, or, or Lorraine is, and uh, remember to pray for them. So uh, let us pray. Uh, Father, as we, uh, as we come to you, Lord, we do rejoice, and I pray that this truth that we sang about, uh, the living hope uh, that we're going to read about now in your word, uh, Lord, I pray that you would teach us about it, that you would minister with your spirit and guide us so that we really understand uh, what this is all about. Uh, Lord, I, I thank you for the chance that we have to partner with Mark and Karn and pray specifically for their church as they, uh, during a tumultuous time uh, in that part of the, the world right now, that they are uh, that they're given your peace, that they're given your power and your strength to minister and to share your word during this time. Uh, and then, Lord, we pray for all those right now that uh, we want to lift up that hurt uh, physically and have needs, uh, specifically, you know, for Lorraine and, and John. But we're praying, Lord, just for their care, for the guidance of doctors and the provision of doctors and the care that they need in, in those ways. Uh, so, Lord, again, we, we are thankful, Lord. We have the privilege to gather here around your word but we are dependent upon you right now. So we yield to you, we surrender to you to teach us and guide us in why you brought us here this, into why you brought us here this morning, I pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Okay, we are going to, are you thinking spring? Did yesterday have you thinking spring a little bit? Okay, today, not so much. Uh, but yesterday, you had to be thinking a little bit. Spring is coming, thinking about the little bulbs uh, busting through, or whatever those are, sprouts, uh, com coming up in life. And this really fits perfectly with where we're going to look in Scripture over the next five weeks. We're going to look at the book of 1 Peter, uh, which really talks about this life anew, this new life we have in Christ. In fact, 
Here's a little summary I read of 1 Peter this week that I liked there. It said that 1 Peter could be summarized by saying that it is, it is a look at the reality of the Christian life. It kind of summarizes it very well. Before we get into the beginning of 1 Peter, I actually want to show you a verse towards the end of 1 Peter where he's writing to a bunch of new believers and he tells them why he wrote. So this is actually from chapter 5, the last chapter, verse number 12. He says, Silvanus, this other guy, a faithful brother as I regard him, uh, I think he's uh, doing the writing for me or, or he's delivering this. I have written briefly to you. Here's why I wrote. I'm exhorting, I'm teaching you, I'm encouraging you, and declaring that this, that this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in it. He's writing to some young believers, and he wants them to get what the real deal is. Okay, this is the true grace of God. Stand firm in this. I want you to have something that is real. Okay, so as we go in, and we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 1, 3 through 12. However, before we do that also, uh, I wanted to show you what the word is right after 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 12. In other words, this is the first word of verse number 13. Okay, now stay with me here for a second. We're going to go back and look at the beginning of this new life in Jesus Christ. And then the Apostle Paul launched, I'm sorry, Peter, since it's called First Peter, I figure he wrote it. Uh, but uh, Peter says, therefore, and then for the rest of the book, he tells us what this Christian life looks like. Okay, he tells us, hey, this is how we're, it's going to show up in everyday life. This is how you're going to live. This is how you're going to walk. This is how you're going to look like a Christian. This is what Christianity looks like played out into life. But I wanted to mention that this is where we're going, not where we start. Okay, he starts off and he says, first of all, I want you to know what this new life in Christ is all about. Then, therefore, this is how you're going to live. Because if in our ministry and if at our church we get where the first thing we want to do is jump into the how of the Christian life. You know, I want to go to church. I want to find out how I'm supposed to live. I want to find out, you know, the, the ways the Christian is supposed to act so that I can do that. That's a little bit dangerous because what we can get into then, we learn to act the part of a Christian, but we don't really understand what a Christian really is. So Peter writes, and the first thing he does is he lays out and he says, hey, let me explain this to you. There is a new life that, that God gives us. Therefore, this is how we're going to live, but we're not going to get to that yet today. Right now, we're going to go back, and we're going to look beginning at verse number 3 of chapter 1 and see what he has to say here. By the way, if we miss this foundation, you know, do you, do you ever wonder, and honestly, especially if you've been around church for a while, you watch people fall away, and you think, man, that's really sad. Why does that happen? But for so many people, we don't, we don't get what we're going to talk about today. There is no foundation. There is no, begin. hey, I really grasp this truth that we're going to look at at the beginning of 1 Peter. So let's get into this. There are three words I want you to think about. One of the things, uh, one of the words I want you to remember is this word right here, reborn. Or if you want to say, we are born again. Chapter 1, verse number 3 says this, Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. Man, I'm sorry, I get this is kind of my own little world, my own little mind where I go here. What we sang in our songs today, we're going to do this again at the end. We're going to sing about the mercy of God. We're going to sing about the grace of God. Remember, uh, Peter wrote and he said, I want you to get the real deal. I want you to understand what this life of grace is all about. Here he says this, according to God's great mercy, I want you to understand that mercy. He has caused us to be what? Born again. 
Now, that is a phrase that sometimes, oh, is that like a weird thing? That's a weird brand of Christianity. What kind of Christian are you? I'm a born-again Christian. Can I say this? I know that sometimes in the vernacular of the day, you know, we get where, okay, what does this phrase mean? And it gets confused. But in the Bible, there is really only one type of Christianity, and it is born-again Christianity. Uh, I'll kind of explain that today. And, and, you know, I know some people are all oh, that's kind of weird, that little born-again idea, but that, that is the Bible language. John chapter 3, Jesus makes that plain that we are to be born again. We'll talk about what that means here, but we are born again to a living hope. Now, that, those, those two words, living hope, I hope you remember those. We just sang that. Jesus Christ, my living hope. Were you with me? That was good stuff. Okay. Uh, through the resu- How'd that come? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Now, let's, let's uh, take a look at this verse in a little bit more detail. Just thinking about this whole idea of being born again. Again, not something, not another layer I'm adding to my life. Uh, what it is, is is a whole new life. Okay? When you are born, there's a new life there. And that's what he's talking about here. Now, what does happen to us when we are born again? First of all, let's do one thing that doesn't happen. It doesn't mean we get a whole new personality. Sorry. Uh, Some of you are like, well, maybe this would be a good thing. Uh, But we are still the person that we were. The new birth does not violate the original creation of God in our life. What he does is he redeems that original work. He doesn't overwhelm it. He redeems it. So what I'm saying with that is there are different people when they come, if, if two people are different, when they come to Christ, now what they are is different Christians. And what I'm saying is the new birth doesn't put us all in the same mold where we're exactly all the same. Okay, Peter and uh, a guy by the name of Thomas were great examples of this who both follow Christ. One of them was analytical. I'm not going to believe unless I see it. Peter was like, I'm in, baby, whatever. As soon as I get the word, I'm jumping in. Totally different people follow Christ. They kept their personality. Uh, We had dinner yesterday with my sister-in-law. If there were ever two sisters that are different, uh, my wife, uh, my, my sister's sitting there and she says, I, yeah, I'm a homebody. I just like to stay home. <laughs> That's not my wife. Uh, that is, if, if you know her at all, that doesn't fit at all. There's so many, th- they're just opposite people completely. Now, do they all have to, do we all have to fit in the same mold as Christians? No, we're not. Uh, the new birth does not take over our personality. We're still who we were, but we have this new life in us. Now let's talk about what it does do. First of all, the new birth does give us a new appetite, okay? Nature gives us an appetite. We now have a new nature. We have a new appetite. Dogs love what dogs love. Do you ever walk your dog and think, what in the world is that thing eating? And why is it doing it? Uh, Okay, weird random thing, but this time of year when there's snow piles, does your dog eat something in the snow piles? What is that? Uh, Never mind, don't want to know. I don't really want to know, but it's like, get away from the snow pile. How's it doing that? Why does it do that? It's a dog. By nature, it it has that appetite. Cats have the same appetite. Those who are have a sinful nature, have an appetite for sin. Those who have a new nature, who have this new life, have an appetite for the things of God. They have a desire within them. And I love this because what I want to do is see that desire that God places in new believers. I want to see that grow. I do not want the church to be a place where we impose rules from the outside on you. I want it to be a place where that new life of Jesus Christ inside of you grows and matures. And then you're living a life where you want to do uh, the things that God has called you to do. So therefore, you're free. 
And that's what real freedom is. I want to do what God wants me to do. Uh, that's where we find real freedom. So we want to encourage you to fo- foster, if you will, grow that new life inside of you, uh, understanding that God has placed it. By the way, this is such a good thing just to think about that if I have this appetite for the things of God, it is a great sign. It is great evidence of that new life in me. Somebody will say to me, uh, Pastor Dan, you know, I'm really struggling with this sin. Does that mean I'm not even a Christian? And so often I'm saying, well, the fact that it is bothering you that you're struggling with it and that you want to do right is a great sign that you are a Christian. You have that new appetite. Yes, while we're on this earth, we still have that old nature, but you have that new life inside of you, and it is drawing you to God. That's why you're talking to me. That's why you care. That's why you want to do right is because... You have that new life inside of you. So that new life uh, does bring a new appetite. It also brings a new capacity. (laughs) Dogs can't fly. Fish can't walk. An unregenerate man is not going to please God. And if he's trying, he's probably just going to become self-righteous in the things that he, that he does. For we find our righteousness in the person of Jesus Christ. And when our sins are hidden under the blood of Christ and we know him and we trust him. So then... Uh, we have this new life, and it's real. But, man, so many things about this verse. Let me, let me dig into uh, a little bit more in just a minute. But if you, if, if you would just think with me about the evidence of the new birth, the evidence that we have, how do you know that you are alive? I'm sorry, backwards. How do you know you've been born? Basically, you'd say, well, obviously I've been born, right? You're alive. That's how you got here. You've been born. Uh, now, if you try to Uh, prove that to the people at the DMV, it's a little harder. If you try to go through and try to get this new license you're supposed to get, the real license or whatever, I'm really alive. You have to have all types of proof, and they wouldn't accept, never mind, I won't get into that, but I'm a little bitter about the whole situation at the DMV. Uh, But, uh, but, uh, you know, I kind of just want to say, what do you mean? My birth certificate isn't acceptable. I'm here, aren't I? Uh, I'm alive. I'm I'm here. That, That is the evidence. Well, how do we know that we have been born again into this kingdom of God Basically, we have this new nature. I don't want to sin anymore. But again, there's so many great things just in this verse. If you ever ask the question, why me? Why do I get to have this new life? Why do I, have to, why do I get to have this relationship with God? Two words will answer that every time, great mercy. <laughs> According to his great mercy. There's nothing I've done to earn it. There's nothing I've done to, you know, that makes me better than anybody else. But according to his great mercy, I get to have this eternal life. And it has caused me to, to be born again to a what? To this living hope. Okay, I, I, get, I get thrilled to focus on that living hope. Understanding is not about positive thinking. It is a, about God creating a brand new reality that indeed I know for certain of eternal life. Why? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Those two things are connected, that living hope and that resurrection. And that's part of the reason why this series takes us perfectly into Easter too. And we look at that resurrection, but because he has defeated death, we sing these, and I love to sing these words. Death has no hold on me. Death has no grip on me. Death is not victorious over me. Why is that? Because of the living hope that we have in Jesus Christ. Now, I do want to make sure that I am not saying, oh, you know, I'm sorry. I want to back up on, on one more thing here. So often when we talk about Christianity and we talk about the beginning of our Christian life, we, we use phrases like, well, I prayed the prayer or I made a decision. 
And that is all well and good and may be part of what we're talking about here. But do you understand that we are talking about a miraculous new birth, a whole new life that God gives you. It's not just, well, I prayed a prayer. Yeah, I made this decision. There is no way that this miraculous work that God does in a person who trusts the Lord Jesus Christ as Savior is not going to impact our lives. It's impossible. There's too much that has happened. I've been given a whole new life. Many of you are familiar with what I think is probably the most familiar verse in the Bible, which is John 3.16. By the way, John Miscavige, I mentioned in the hospital down at, uh, at St. Vincent's, his room number is 316. I just think that's funny, John 316. Uh, I, get, I get easily amused. But uh, some of you, uh, easy to remember like that, uh, but some of you, let, let, let me read it for you. For God so loved the world, you know that. You know that he gave his only son that whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. And we say, hey, this is great. God loves the whole world that nobody would perish. But you've got to read what it says. It says God loves the whole world and whosoever believes in him should not perish. For God did not send his, world, his son into the world to condemn the world. That's great. But, God, but in order that the world might be saved through him. That's why Jesus came. Listen to verse number 18. Whoever believes is not condemned. But whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the Son of God. So as we talk about this and move forward, and I want to get you excited. I want you to celebrate this living hope that we have. I want to make clear that the Bible says that uh, this comes when a person comes to Jesus Christ in repentance and belief and trust in him. Then they receive this new life. We'll come into that. And having that, there is so much to celebrate. Let's talk about another thing that we can celebrate because of this new life as we go forward. Uh, not only are we born again, not only are we re reborn, but the Bible teaches that we are kept. We are kept because we are saved to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading. Man, what a beautiful thing. Kept in heaven for you who by God's power are being guarded, guarded, through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. I want you to think for a moment with me, and I want to rejoice with you a little bit about this whole idea of our inheritance. The Bible says that it has been reserved, it has been paid for, it is ours. It's a done deal. I was standing in line at a rental car company last week, I, I, don't, I know I've heard different people talking about traveling and how tough it is to get rental cars and stuff like that. So I, we show up at the airport to get the rental car, and the line is uh, about an hour and 15 minutes long to get a rental car. I'd never seen that before. They had five things open. I mean, this line is wrapped around everywhere. It's budget rental car. And I'm standing there the whole time, and I'm thinking, they're going to run out of cars. I'm never, you know, they, they can't have all these cars. There's so many people in line. And the whole time, some of you will understand this dialogue. I'm planning on getting up to the counter and going, I have a reservation. They'll say, well, we don't have any cars. And I'm going to say, but I have a reservation. And, but we don't have any cars. Yes, but a reservation uh, means that you have a car. I've reserved it. That's what a reservation does. And she would say, I know what a reservation does. And I would say, I don't think you do. Uh, you know how to take a reservation, but you don't know how some of you speak Seinfeld. You know what I'm saying here. Uh, you know how to take a reservation, but you don't know how to keep a reservation. And that's really the most important part of the reservation is keeping the, uh, keep, I had that whole speech laid out. I was, they did have a car for us, but, uh, so I didn't get to use it. But I was, I was ready to hit them with that whole speech. But, uh, but look what it says here. We, the reservation is secure because it is kept 
up in heaven for you. How? By God's power. It is guarded. Okay, God is holding on to it. If you can envision this, this verse like this, see the nail-scarred hands of Jesus, and in one hand, he's holding on to your reservation for you. He's keeping the reservation for you. In the other hand, he's keeping you for the reservation. Okay, and someday... Those hands are going to come together. Oh, what a glorious day like that. But I was thinking about that. In that one hand, he's holding on to me. I am so thankful he's holding on to me. I have mentioned this before, and I know this is incredibly wimpy, but I'm old and I don't care anymore. I have terrible grip strength. I really do. I used to, you know, my wife would hand me the pickle jar, and I'd distract her and go get the pliers and open it up. Yep, got it. Uh, now I don't even lie anymore. I just go get the pliers. <laughs> <laughs> yep, I'll go get the pliers. Uh, we'll, we'll try to get it open. My grip strength just stinks. If it was up to me to hold on to God, I would have no faith in eternity. I would not have a living hope, but it's not up to me to hold on to God. He's got a hold of me. I trusted in him. There he is, and that one hand's got a grip on me that's not going to let go, and the other hand's got a hold of my inheritance, and he's going to say, boom, there you go, heaven. That's one. Come on, smile, smile just a little bit. You don't have to burst into spontaneous eruption of you know, applause or anything, but just smile. Let me, let me know you're alive. This is an incredible verse that we are kept by his power, ready to be revealed in that end time. And on that end time, he brings those two hands together, and I am so thankful that his grip don't slip. Mine does. Okay, are you ready? Uh, now, let's go on to a third idea here. Okay, this new life that we have, we are born again into it. We are kept in it by his power, but also that life is, we'll say, proven or tested or verified. Again, that verse that I started with, he said, I want, uh, Peter's writing, he's saying, I want to make sure that you have the real deal. Well, let's look at what he talks about with that. He says, in this you rejoice. Okay, now you rejoice, <laughs> and, I, and I hope we do. Though, and we can relate to this, now for a little while it is necessary that you may be grieved by various trials. Uh-huh. Is that where we are in this world sometimes? Sometimes it's like, this stinks. Uh, these various trials are everywhere. We don't really like it. Well, Peter was writing to a persecuted church, a persecuted church of young believers. They got that, okay? But he says, why uh, you rejoice, for, but for a little while you have these trials. Well, why do you have these trials? So that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory to the honor of Jesus Christ. He says, in other words, we go through these various trials, and I'm not crazy about this idea, but I, I do think it is true. We go through these trials that our faith would be tested to prove that it's genuine. I, uh, I mentioned before, I'll, uh, I often yield control. I'm very proud of myself on this. I think this makes me a good husband. I often yield control of the remote, remote to my wife. Yeah, uh, it's, it's a sign of true love, I'm pretty sure. But, uh, but I also mentioned, <laughs> I gripe about everything she watches. Uh, she loves these PBS stations and, you know, all this British garbage. Anyway, uh, I, I'm sorry, that was terrible. Anglo-hating or something like that. Uh, but she loves watching these different things. Uh, there is one show every once in a while that will catch my attention when she has it on. She has the Antique Road Show on. And, uh, yeah, I, I get fascinated. I don't know. What is that worth? Uh, you know, and is it genuine? That's really what we're going through sometimes as far as life goes, testing and see if our faith is genuine. And listen to me, folks. You know, think about that, that whole idea he talks about right now. We're going through various things that grieve us, but our faith is being tested and we're holding on. And sometimes we probably think, yeah, but my faith is shaken and, and my heart is hurting and I'm having a hard time with my faith. I want to say this, but you're here. 
honestly. But you are here. Others are going to fall away. But you've hung in there. Why? Because what you have is real. Let me, let me kind of explain it like this if I could for a second. I told you a week ago we were down in Florida. We visited a town called Lake Placid, Florida. We stayed there a few days. Some of you think I'm confused. No, I was not in New York. I was in Florida. There's a town in Florida called Lake Placid. And Lake Placid, and this is something that no other church in the world is going to give you today, so take notes. Lake Placid is the Caladium capital of the world. Yeah, there's not another church in the world that will teach you that today, and nobody cares. But uh, we rode up to this Lake Placid, this little town, and uh, they, uh, they have that on the sign, Caladium Capital of the World. I did not know what Caladium was. I was pretty sure that it was the stuff they make electric car batteries with. And I thought, this town's going to get rich, but it has nothing to do with that. Uh, I'm not sure what that is, but it kind of sounds like Caladium, I think. Uh, so anyway, what? Uh, but my wife got real excited about this because Caladium are flowers or are they leaves that are colors or flowers? Plants, whatever. Uh, okay, there's some type of plants. So Frances got excited, she was, and she talked to some lady and found out a place where you could go and get a good price on the bulbs for this caladium. So she brought back, we both had a suitcase full of these little bags of bulbs. She, I think her vision is to make Michiana the uh, caladium capital of the north or something like that, which I don't think our climate's going to work, but, uh, but we'll give it a try. But anyway, we have these little bulbs, but I want you to think about the picture of a bulb for a second, okay? You put the bulb in the ground, throw it in the ground, Ah, uh, cover it with dirt, but it's not dead. Inside of this is life. Okay, and, and I think this ver I think that illustrates very well the, the whole idea of what we're talking about here. There are times when we're grieved. There are times when the dirt's heavy on us. There are times when it's tough, but our, we're not dead. Okay, sometimes it seems like it's kind of dormant, but we're not dead. We're coming back because that life is still in us. You see, this life that we're talking about, this Christian life, this spirit life, this thing that happens to us when we are born again into the kingdom of God through faith in Jesus Christ, it doesn't die. It lives inside of us, and though the weight of this world sometimes throws all the dirt on us and the muck on us and everything like that, still, it is alive. Yeah, somebody, you got a pulse, thank you. Uh, here we go. Though, and then he goes on, he says, hey, you haven't seen him, but you love him. Isn't that awesome? Peter, Peter had seen him, but he says to these people, you haven't even seen him and you love him. That's awesome. And I can say that to you. Not only have you not seen him, you haven't even seen Peter who has seen him, but yet you still love him and you still hang in there. Though you do not see him, you love him. You believe in him. You rejoice with joy that is inexpressible. We're going to come back to that. And filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Eternity. You know, how, how awesome is that? But, uh, you know, before we leave this idea of eternity, uh, concerning this, well, just if you, if you could, again with me, just rejoice a little bit. But let, let's see what, it, what the Bible says else about this eternal life that we have. It says, concerning the salvation, this salvation, this new life in Christ, the prophets who prophesied about the grace that was to be yours searched and inquired carefully. So people have been looking for this for a long time. The prophets of old have been looking for it. Inquiring what person or time the Spirit of Christ in them was indicating when he predicted the sufferings of Christ. They've been wanting to know all along what, what, when, the, when this is going to happen. Who gets to experience this? Who gets to see Christ crucified and risen again? The prophets have been talking about this, but you actually now can, be, can bear witness to it and the subsequent glories. It was revealed to them that they were serving not themselves, but 
you. And the things, because you are the ones that get to see this new life. You're the ones that get to see uh, this Jesus Christ. And the things that have now been announced to you through those who preach the good news to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven. Listen, look at this last phrase, things with the angels long to look. The prophets waited for the angels would love to see it. I mean, it's kind of like, hey, what must it be like to be a sinner that is forgiven and redeemed by grace? That must be awesome. The angels long to look into that. This is awesome that they look down and see that. They are so excited. So I want to get this picture in your brain today just of this new life. Now, I had a vision of, of filling the stage with tulips. <laughs> that's all I came up with. They say, go big or go home. I probably should have gone home. Uh, but that, that's, that's what I bought at Martin's today. So, I, so we got pictures uh, of tulips, but I want you to think about that idea of that bulb, and in that bulb is that life, and this is what is contained in that, all that life that is alive. I want you to you know, meditate on that and uh, understand I want to get to the place where we are more than ever, you know, talked about inexpressible joy, where we are reliving, where we are remembering, where we are celebrating the life that we have in Jesus Christ. Next week, we'll observe communion, and that gives us a great opportunity to remember and relive and celebrate what Jesus has done. This is not a religion, folks. We're not talking about a religion. We're talking about new life in Jesus Christ. Okay, it goes beyond that. Now, before I leave uh, the message today, I want to show you a quote, and this kind of weird. I'm kind of changing directions here just a second at the end to just kind of talk to you. Uh, different things come across my little YouTube thing. They pop up there, and uh, the phrase came up there, uh, these preachers are heretics. And, uh, you know, like a train wreck, I thought, well, let me see what they said. Uh, so I tuned in to what these preachers were saying, different famous preachers, I won't mention their names, and uh, they had different quotes from them. And the first quote I listened to, I'm going to show you in a second, because it really caught my attention. I'll tell you why, because I have said it, okay? And uh, so here, here's the quote. Are you ready? And uh, I want to go back and think about this with you. Life is less about becoming what you should be and more about living like you already are. Okay, there's me, Dan Thomas. Am I a famous heretic or am I a Bible preacher? Well, I, I want you to, to think about this with me for a second here. When Billy Graham uh, preached the gospel, he did not say, hey, the most important thing here is that you just live who you are. Live the life of who you are. You know what he said? He said it, you need to repent and believe in Jesus Christ. You need to repent, turn from your sin, and believe in Jesus Christ. That's the message of John the Baptist. Repent and believe in Jesus Christ. So if I walk up to a bunch of people who do not know this new life in Christ and I say to them, the most important thing is you just live, out, live who you are. It's not about changing you. It's not about becoming what you should be. It's just about living who you are. Then uh, I'm wrong. It's not about that. Jesus said, repent and believe. That's the message. And there is a turning. I am believing in him for forgiveness of my sin. It, you know, you say, well, God accepts you just the way you are when you come to him, but he doesn't leave you like that. He transforms us when we come to him. Okay, he gives us this whole new life. Okay, so I don't want to uh, make this statement to a bunch of people and tell, ah, just stay the way you are. You, got, you know, that's good. I want to preach the message that you must be born again. What the Bible says, you must come to Christ in repentance and belief and trust him. But once you have done that, I can say this statement. I can say now it is this Christian life that we try to live is not about, uh, I love this phrase, I believe it's in a Mercy Me song where he talks about a white knuckle, red face. 
And it's just our Christian life is all about trying harder. I got to do better. I got to improve myself and everything like that. That's not what it says. It says more than that, I've given you this new life. And that's why when we talk around here, we talk about the, the number one thing we want to do is help you connect to God in your relationship with him because we want that new life to be growing in you naturally. If this place is about me telling you how you ought to live as a Christian and here's your rules and, oh, you stepped out of line, we're missing it. Okay, it's about the new life that is in Jesus Christ uh, growing up and blooming, if you will, into the tulips, into the flowers, into whatever, into this new life that we have because of him. Here, here's, here's something that has been very powerful to me. Most of my life, I kept telling God, God, I, I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to do this for you. I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do this for you. Okay, got the white knuckles going. I'm going to do this for you, God. I'm going to make it. I cannot tell you how many times I failed going down that road. And then, Lord miraculously showed me, really, the, the truth of this verse, or this uh, quote, as it applies to my life. I stopped saying, Lord, I'm going to do this for you, and I, thought, I started saying, Lord, I can't do this without you. And understood that uh, God has given me this new life. He's given me this capacity. He's given this des desire, and what I want to learn to do is trust him day by day and walk with him. It's awesome, okay? Now, uh, I'm going to ask uh, David and, and Jen and, and Patience is going to come back up here, and uh, we're going to sing that New Hope song again. But I want to go back. Ding, 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 ding. Uh, and where do I want to go back to? There, 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 right there. Uh, and highlight some of these phrases that we're going to sing about. Because I'm hoping at the end here, and we can not only sing this, but we can kind of meditate and, and get, get a little pumped pumped out about this. By the way, my wife told me it's your birthday day. Happy birthday. Okay, do you want me to lead a song for you? Yes. Uh, <laughs> I knew that wouldn't go over well. Uh, but here, here we go. Okay, here's what we're going to sing about. Blessed be the God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy. We're going to sing about that, that mercy, and that is why. Okay, that is why. That's the answer. Hey, why, why do I get to say I have eternal life? His mercy. That's it. Nothing else. I didn't deserve it. His grace, his mercy. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection. And we're going to sing about that, that idea, the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead because Jesus walked out of that grave. That grave has no hope on me, hold on me. Okay, let's sing the truth of this verse. Would you stand with me? Would you see with me for a second as best you can? Would you visualize one nail-pierced hand holding an inheritance Perfect. It's, it's described there in that verse. It's a perfect inheritance, and it's by his power he's holding it. In the other hand, he's holding you. When you trusted him, he said, hey, come on. You're in my hand. Nobody's going to pluck you out. I, I've got, I got you right there. Okay? And that grip right there. And would you visualize with me that day? Here we go. Heaven. Like that. Amen? Father, so thankful we can praise for you for such greatness, such love, such mercy, such grace. May we walk in that this day. May this new life be nurtured and grow because of our time spent with you. Amen. You've been listening to Pastor Dan Thomas of Community Church in Edwardsburg. For more information about the church, you can visit our website, edwardsburg.church. You may also contact the church via email, info at edwardsburg.church, or call us at 269-663-2648. Thank you for listening.